Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Out of cycle update based on a recent, as of yesterday, recent article write-up from The Motley Fool. Those who don't know The Motley Fool, The Motley Fool's been around for decades, so it is certainly a credible organization. They've I remember their stupid little, you know, uh, Joker icon all the way back in the days of America Online because it was right there in the interface. They've been around for decades. They have credibility. Unfortunately, from my perspective, the Motley Fool struggles when they're talking about cryptocurrency because they're thinking of it in the context of standard stocks and bonds and ETFs and rates and that type of you know standard trading. And I talked about this in a previous update. The idea that cryptocurrency is effectively a commodity, the difference with crypto versus those others is that crypto does not necessarily have to have anything tangible backing it. In stock, you are only a portion of a company. You have an ownership stake in a company. With bonds, you're basically reserving money into something that contributes to liquidity. In rates, you're contributing to real estate, money that's needed to build and construct. Crypto doesn't necessarily have to have those types of tangible outcomes. I keep going back to the idea of perception of the person who's trading. There's certainly a layer of cryptocurrency that is Fundamental, they solve problems, whether it's point of sale, whether it's cipher, as in security cipher, whether it's uh, games, games are becoming a thing now with cryptocurrency. There's all sorts of true applications for cryptocurrency, but it is not a requirement like you would think it should be in every cryptocurrency. At the core, in order for a cryptocurrency to succeed, by and large, we're seeing more and more that a strong community is a contributing factor to a cryptocurrency's success. I put success in quotes because that is subjective. In certain areas, like Reddit's R cryptocurrency subreddit, which is a bunch of toxic people, success to them is it's got to be at least a dollar. Do, do, do. Otherwise, they dismiss it and it doesn't mean anything. But on the other vein, people who are more open-minded realize that success is a little bit harder to describe than that. Let me go through the Motley Fool's perception of SHIB, because the SHIB is what they're really attacking. I don't want to say attacking, targeting, that's better to say. And they already lead in with some faulty premises. There's some fact to the premises, but the it's misrepresented as stated. So first... They're stating that ultimately, SHIB is, quote, piggybacking on the hype attached to Doge. Here's the problem. There's a truth and a half-truth to that statement. Is it fair to say that Doge inspired SHIB? Absolutely. Is it accurate to say that the popularity of what caused Doge to spike contributed to the, some of the early popularity of SHIB? Certainly. Where they deviate and where Motley Fool gets this statement wrong is that Doge, I said it before, the only reason Doge got over a penny was because of Elon Musk's tweets about it. The reason that it started tanking is that Doge has essentially unlimited inventory 
10,000 coins are minted every minute because the, the thought process was we want to make sure that this grows with inflation. The reason that this kind of fell short is that the Biden administration came in and basically spiked inflation faster than they anticipated. Thus, there is essentially so much inventory of Doge, and it is so ubiquitous and it's easy so to find and buy, that it tanked. It went down from its peak of 70-something cents back down to 20-something cents. It's having sm slight surges. And I would argue that it's going to get to the point where it somewhat recovers. But now, because of recent announcements to the Biden administration that are ultimately cancerous to the growth of cryptocurrency, frankly, it harms investor sentiment and makes them hesitant to buy in as they might have done compared to something like Shiv, like Satama, like Kishu Inu, like ID Inu, and others that are, as I said in a previous entry, a lower barrier of entry. They're cheaper to buy and the psychological effect of being able to hold millions. You no longer have that magic with Doge of I spend 50 bucks and I got many, many, as, as a past president once said, millions and billions of dollars. You don't have that psychological benefit like you had at one point with Doge. With Doge, you are needing to spend now in the thousands of dollars to get a significant number of coins. But at that point, consider that you could get possibly trillions on this other one over here. Motley Fools, at least Sean Williams, because I don't want to put everybody in a bucket over there, but at least Sean Williams doesn't understand that part of the appeal of SHIB is that it's cheap, which is they, they openly admit this. If you look on CoinGecko and you look on Coin uh, Coinbase and others in the description of the coin, they specifically say that they made it intentionally available because they wanted it to be at a price point where everybody could buy in and have a solid, significant stake. Doge was at that point. Doge is not at that point. Now we have to start judging them separately. We no longer can bulk them in together simply because they are dog-based coins. That assumption is no longer relevant. It might have been the start point, but it is no longer the relevant. They haven't gone together. They have, they have se separated. The other reason that SHIB should not be bulked in that category is that, remember, Doge didn't really get onto Coinbase until it was already past the point of being able to own millions of the thing. SHIB is the first coin that Coinbase, and I'm attacking them because Coinbase for Americans is kind of the de facto. SHIB is the first time you were able to have a coin, a token, where you could invest a small amount of money and own millions or billions of it. So SHIB already had the advantage of, again, that psychological effect that everybody's ignoring, fresh out of the gate, that Doge never had. That's another separation of the two. Three, Elon Musk has never directly supported SHIB as the coin. He is this honorary board member or whatever of Doge. But even on the Doge, he went on SNL and trashed the coin, essentially, unintentionally. And yes, he'll release a dog, and my, here's my dog, Floki. He's not adv advocating for any one token. What's happening is these developers of the coins are hooking into that hype to create their own marketing strategy because they know there are retail investors out there that'll buy into it. That's normal. The same thing happens on the stock side. That's what happened with AMC. It doesn't matter that they are all dog coins. That is a fallacy that is based on data that is now stale and irrelevant. 
But then he gives some bullets of why it may, quote, come to a crashing halt. Am I saying that it will come to a crashing halt? I argue no, because I talked about this in a previous. The number of holders, once you get to a certain capacity of holders, it is much more difficult to completely tank a coin's value because even if a whale sells off, that whale might only be 3% of total, 5% of total, even 10% of total. Because you have such a dispersion of holders, it helps the coin retain. That's called resistance. And we've already tested that resistance before. I struggle to understand why he's even making that statement with a straight face. I'm assuming he has a straight face because if I'm my memory's serving me, SHIB just had a 30, I believe it was a 31 trillion token sell-off, and it still recovered back to where it was at its resistance point. This tells me that he doesn't understand how the resistance points work and why they work and the correlation between resistance and the number of holders and the dispersion of holders with differing amounts of tokens, not just whales, but all the way down to the ones that only hold 100,000, having more holders helps the coin retain value. So his statement is a joke where he doesn't understand no, what you're saying would be true if the token were in its early phases and only had 10,000 holders. We're talking over 700,000 minimum, and I argue we're probably closer to a million, and we just don't know it. There are 700,000 wallets out there, but the wallets cannot tell you how many exchanges people have the stuff stored in. So that number really is truly unknown, and we really aren't going to have a good perspective, but the fact that it holds resistance tells us we got to have a pretty good number of holders because this guy is not significantly tanking past its resistance. Bullet number one, it lack quote, it lacks real world utility. This is an argument that anybody who has done regular stock trading and even other cryptos such as a Bitcoin, for example, and Ethereum, they always make this argument. And he's going back to Doge in the sense that Doge is accepted by certain businesses but what he's missing, and this is a critical miss, he doesn't understand that it has nothing to do with the number of companies that accept crypto, as opposed to how you can consume or transact with crypto in general, because we now have more creative ways to do it that don't require you transact directly with crypto. Leister, what are you talking about? If you hold your SHIB in Coinbase, they will give you a debit card that lets you swipe it at any retailer to use your SHIB. Same with Doge, same with Cardano, same with Zcash, same with Bitcoin, same with Ethereum, same with Bitcoin Classic, same with Bitcoin whatever. That card, you can tell it, I want you to pay the SHIB and I can swipe it at point of sale. It doesn't matter that the point of sale does or doesn't support SHIB or does or doesn't support Doge because that's actually more work for them. Who cares? It's irrelevant to the real utility, which is, can I store my crypto in an exchange that allows me to swipe my card at point of sale? Because once you can do that, that crypto now has utility by default because you can use it from the card. It doesn't matter that the point of sale terminal does or doesn't. We don't care. Who cares? When my card can do it, everybody takes Visa, Everybody takes MasterCard. Why should we not focus on using the existing networks that are already there to do these transactions? 
So I think that's less, is it an issue? Yeah, but it's not a major issue to think about. He talks about the fact that Doge took eight years to get to the point where, quote, a little over 1,700 businesses take it. That just means that Doge, I covered this on my main podcast, Doge took eight years doing it the hard way simply to help gain acceptance, and that's fine. But Bitcoin had already done that by that point. Bitcoin had already paved the way for businesses to accept crypto in general. Doge just did an incremental step to say, why not consider this instead of fiat? However, at the end of the day, and probably for the foreseeable future, they're still all going to accept fiat and more businesses accept fiat by way of that debit card, which means that by SHIB getting listed on Coinbase and at some point Robinhood, because they have a debit card too, you already have now opened the doors to even more businesses in a shorter period of time because SHIB went live in August of 2020. We're now just over a year out and it'll already have surpassed Doge in terms of footprint and where you can transact it directly. To me, his statement is accurate, but it misses the point in terms of how SHIB did it compared to how the other one did. His second bullet of the average holding period is less than a week. This is a valid concern of any crypto. However, the fault in it's not that what he's saying is wrong. The fault in it is his source of data. His source of data is Coinbase. The problem with using Coinbase data, and Coinbase even tells you this, is that Coinbase data is based on the data that it knows. Coinbase, I'm talking main Coinbase, that data is not inclusive of Coinbase Pro, is not inclusive of Coinbase Wallet, cannot include Trust Wallet, cannot include Atomic Wallet, cannot include Guarda Wallet, cannot include any of the other wallets that are decent, certainly cannot include cold wallet storage because it's not constantly querying blockchain and getting that number down. What it's doing is it's going off what it knows. That means that number is underrepresented. Any wallet that has not touched Coinbase at all is not going to be represented in that number. Now, is that saying that the hold is significant? The fact is you don't truly know. You can't truly know. Because there's no logical way to know for 700,000 addresses how long each of them held their SHIB. There's no point, there's no way to get to that data point. It's impossible, except when the data flows through you. Then you can put hooks that let you calculate it. That's why I'm saying they only know what transacted through them. They cannot know what didn't transact through them. So that number is misrepresented. Is it an accurate concern? Yes, but their data, his data source is flawed because he cannot know what the true holding period is. I can guarantee you there are people out there even now, probably some whales that have been holding since the darn thing went live and they're still holding. The average should take into consideration all the different holders that are added. But since Coinbase can only know what it knows, As you add new people into the pool and a rate of adding, at some point your average is expected to go down, but then it's skewed. If you were to look at the graph, it's faulty because you're not taking into consideration. Okay, but when did they sign up? If I'm including data, so what what I'm getting at is if you're going to use holding period and try to critique fairly, what you should do is say, let's look at the span of people 
who have who based on when they bought, they bought no more than 30 days ago and no less than say 15 days ago. So let's target a population of these wallets. You're going to get down to a finite number, probably around 20, 30,000. Take that number, try to identify from data flow, which is manual through blockchain, what that average hold time is. And I guarantee you it's going to be higher than what they're saying, but they're not doing that. So that number is faulty and I wouldn't trust it, especially since it's coming from Coinbase. The third bullet he calls out is, to me, it's a fallacy, but we can argue either way. He talks about historically stratospheric short-term gains don't hold up. That's a direct quote. Now, he's correct and he's incorrect. He's using a different source. The source is accurate, but he's talking about Bitcoin. The flaw with that is that Bitcoin, Bitcoin has had a very challenging up and down. It's the most volatile crypto you can think of. We shouldn't be using the most volatile crypto you can think of and then make the blanket statement that I see similar or close volatility with SHIB, which is not true. And as a result, it's likely not going to hold up because Bitcoin didn't hold up. And frankly, Bitcoin did hold up because it recovered because it's peaks and valleys, as I've covered on a previous episode. We cannot make the statement that something's failing simply because it had a stratospheric rise and an epic fall because that crypto, Bitcoin, is the worst possible candidate for comparison to make that statement. We cannot fairly make that statement. The data is flawed. If we want to try to determine the propensity for a given crypto to have that type of a failure, we have to use some measure of comparable crypto to determine this. And the irony of this is he doesn't even mention Doge in this bullet, as he should, because Doge would be the close comparable, given the span of time that we're talking about. Look at the span of time from when Doge was just over a penny to when it hit 70 and then went back down to 25. Use that span of time, overlay it with the same span of time for SHIB, and you will see that by and large, the growth is roughly the same. The falls are roughly the same. The recoveries are roughly the same. The only variable is the fact that both of them had an initial all-time high spike because SHIB had an all-time high spike that we're getting close to now, and it had tanked. Doge had the same thing. It all-time high at 70-something cents, and then it tanked and never recovered. SHIB, on the other hand, is getting back closer to its all-time high. Doge never has. But in terms of the over-time growth and fall, SHIB and Doge are the closer parallels for that comparison. The reason I, I speculate... The reason he didn't call out Doge and he picked Bitcoin is, again, Bitcoin is the most volatile and he's using that as an excuse to say this volatility, well, that gives me evidence that it's not going to happen here on SHIB either and that's faulty. If he had been more diligent and said, no, I need to use SHIB and Doge because I just did it up here on bullet one and I want to be consistent, he would have seen that, no, these are actually very consistent growth and fall patterns and that means that the Short-term gains that SHIB experienced that then resulted in a fall are similar, if not the same, as the ones that we saw in Doge. And as a result, we can reasonably expect a similar growth pattern that is a gradual growth. We know that SHIB at some point is going to surpass a certain level because SHIB has burn mechanics. It is deflationary. 
whereas Doge has no such burn mechanic and it's inflationary. So we know that at some point in the future, Shiv is going to surpass Doge. We don't know when that will happen. But if you understand inflationary versus deflationary targets, you should be able to look at those two graphs and clearly tell that actually the gains Shiv is doing are healthy gains. Did it have spikes? Absolutely. Did it have epic falls? Absolutely. But a lot of that's passed. And back to the earlier bullet, we're not seeing that whales are significantly able to take the token anymore. So I'm not criticizing that he's trying to do some analysis, but some of the statements he's making are based on faulty data. And when you do that, you're giving the wrong impression and you have an audience that really needs the truth of the matter. But to do that, you've got to use data that's better represented. And that takes a better knowledge of crypto than I think Sean at least has. I won't say all Motley, but Sean seems to have a lack of information about how crypto works.